0: I wanted to introduce Corey this morning. Uh, There are certain people in my life, as I look back, that have, I can say truly, have changed my life. And uh, Corey Greaves is one of those. And I met him four years ago at the National Youth Workers' Convention. And the reason why I wanted to take our students to the Navajo Nation this past week was because the Navajo people changed my life. And I wanted our students to experience what I experienced and to learn from them what I learned. And uh, likewise, when I met Corey, immediately I, I knew he was a man that I wanted to introduce to people that I knew. And so I encourage you in your journey of faith um, to, ha- to be listening to Corey this morning with an open heart because he has changed my life. And uh, I'm excited and honored that he and his wife would take the time to stop on their long journey from the state of Washington to stop in this little podunk, flat, boring uh, Kansas area and share with us. Um, humid, yes, humid, exactly. So um, I want to welcome Corey Greaves. So come on up,
1: brother. Cory Greaves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said either but it sounded cool so <laughs> No that wasn't the joke. Eh? <laughs> I said good morning. Uh my uh Indian oh, I got one more. I got another one more. <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to train him and <laughs> uh, so I said good morning. Uh my Indian name is Kush Kush. Uh my Colonial oppressor name is Corey. I'm glad, like ten of you got that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, anyway, so man, this is like really loud. Is it loud? I feel like a. So I already got a big mouth. So, so um, let me start off just to put us all at ease, get comfortable with one another. Just tell you a real quick joke. All right. So this guy walks into a bar. Right. He goes. I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee, I'm a wigwam, I'm a teepee. And the bartender says, calm down, man, you're too tense. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I'll be here all day, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, if I would go on to introduce myself, uh i would say na shaikh shostapnish pa kukuk has many uh inihay waptas na i naithla siwa shole locker kukunatuta siwa philip greaves so i would tell you where i'm from uh, who our people are from topnish yakuma nation and uh i would say tell you where i work that's not who i am it's just where i work Mending wings, waptas. And then I told you who my mother and my father are. So that's just a proper way to introduce ourselves. And we position ourselves in the world by introducing ourselves that way. Uh, whereas I know, like in Western culture, a lot of people will say, um, Hey, I'm, this is who I this is my name, and where do you work? Or what do you do? As if that defines you. We say who who are you, where are you from, who are your people. And that defines us. So that's why I introduced myself to you this way. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun and in just a little bit. We're going to get you up uh, dancing. We're going to do some native dancing, because uh, we love to watch white people dance. So <laughs> I'm glad you guys got good spirit here, man. I, we've been in some places where it's like, you heard a cricket after I say that, like, <laughs> Nobody thought that was... Funny. Anyway, so good. I, I really do like the spirit that I feel when I came here. Um, everybody's been really friendly and very, you know, greeting. And we, I mean, we go to churches like all over the country and, and some people don't say a word. I don't know if they're afraid of us or they think we're going to scalp them or what, man, but <laughs> I'm just nervous. Yeah, so you guys aren't like that and I really appreciate that. Thank you guys for that. Uh, so this is my wife, Gina. Um, she's going to stand up and spin around. Eh? <laughs> I'm a very lucky man to have a woman like this. She's She's got it all together, very organized woman. Uh, I'm a lot more like Eric, so uh, it's probably why we get along so well. Eh? And we're so chaotic, we don't even know we get along really well. So... Um, so do I need to just say, "Hey, next line, next line"? That's how we'll do it. Okay. So I said we're from the Yakima Nation. We have 14 tribes and bands that make up what we call Yakimas. Uh, and so, um Gina's from the Wishram people. Uh, it's one of the river people. And uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I said I'm Clickitat and Irish on my dad's side. I'm Blackfeet and Irish on my mom's side, uh, which explains why I'm nearly schizophrenic, right? And uh, and then um, it was really cool growing up, though, because I could play cowboys and Indians all by myself, <laughs> and I and I almost always won. So, <laughs> so as an indigenous person who is relationally driven, not time oriented, I'm going to do my best to run uh, white man's time this morning and not Indian time, and um, you know. But I was told by my mentor. Uh, that, you know, that, you know, Indian time is, is a lot more biblical uh, because it's full of grace and mercy and long-suffering, and whereas white man minutes are legalistic and they're binding. And, anyway, I'm glad I got five people to laugh at that one. So, so um, I'll do my best to, 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 to watch time. Those things always make me nervous. I've been at places where, especially like conferences, you got the big, there's a big timer up there and this says. And then I always get into, like, the negatives. <laughs> Every time I speak, like, negative 15 minutes. Like, so I'll do my best. What time are we supposed to end? That is not going to happen. <laughs> are you okay with that not happening? Once you start dancing, you'll be fine with that. So, so I come to you this morning only as a common uh, man, a common human being. I am not a tribal chief or a chairman, nor do I speak for all Indian people. Let me put that out there right now. Okay, I'm only a pitiful um, human being who follows this path of beauty that we call the Jesus way. So when I was about seven years old, um, I I got baptized. And uh, I just remember that because... um, There was a pastor who sat down with me before I did. And he told me a scripture that I've held on to all this. I'm 48 now. And he said that no one will ever be able to pluck you out of my father's hand. I don't know why, but at seven years old, man, that meant everything to me. I think it's because... You know, around that time, my parents were divorcing. Everything that should have been stable was kind of falling to pieces. But there was stability in that, like safety in that. And I've held on to that all this time. uh, That no matter how much of a screw-up I am, I'm thankful that Tamam the Creator doesn't love me according to how good or bad I am. It just loves me regardless. And so... uh, so becoming a follower of the Jesus way was real simple for me. It was so, so in my little pea brain, it was just so simplistic. But the, something happened as I began to get a little bit older that I, I found out that now I had to become a Christian, and I found out that those were two different realities. <laughs> because someone now told me said, "Well, no, no, you need to be a Presbyterian," and someone else said, "No, no, no." a fundamentalist no an armenian no a catholic no an anglican no a methodist no a lutheran and so christianity this whole thing began to get really complicated for me and then i had to decide what version of the bible i was going to read right was it going to be the revised standard version was it going to be the king james version at that time i began to feel sorry for non-english speakers because apparently they didn't get the authorized version of the bible um whereas those English speakers did. And so all that, all that just really added this confusion. So finally, I just kind of landed on the NIV, right, the New Indian version. And then things got <laughs> a little less complicated for me. So, so I grew up attending all these different denominations who all had the right way right, to follow Yeshua And I love to use his tribal name. Don't forget, Yeshua is a tribal person. They have 12 tribes and bands that make up the Israeli nation. We have 14 tribes and bands that make up the Yakima nation. They have first fruit feasts. We have first fruit feasts. You see, there's some similarities as tribal people. We even know what tribe Yeshua is from. The tribe of Judah, right? So, as I'm being taught this right way to follow Yeshua, then comes Bible college, right? So... So I show up to Lincoln Christian University. Well, it was Lincoln Christian College then. But Lincoln Christian University in Lincoln, Illinois. I'm carrying my NIV. And I walk on in. And I start my Bible college journey. Now during that seven years, I was, I was on the seven year program. During that seven years I, I was at LCU, I was told that the Bible had some things to say about my native culture that I didn't know before. You go to the next line. Oh, you're already there. All right. Don't do it unless I say. (laughs) So I was uh, told that the Bible said things like this. Touch not the unclean thing, or come out from among them and be separate. Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Or when we're in Christ, the old has passed away and all things have become white, new, So all that meant was that I needed to leave my Indian ways behind me because I had a new identity in Christ now, and it was not Indian. And so the Bible has been used to demonize just about everything important to our cultural sense of being. So while Yeshua found me at the age of seven, the church began to lose me at the age of 19. So during this time at college, I began to hang out at the American Indian Center in Chicago. And there were a lot of AIM guys there. You guys know AIM? American Indian Movement? So I began to hang out with a lot of them. I started, uh, during that time, I began to learn a lot about Native history with the church. Can you go to the next slide? So I learned that kind of everything kind of went back to this guy. And so who is this, and don't say Jesus, because I'm not throwing out candy. How many agree with this young man that that is Christopher Columbus? Five of you. If you don't agree, you all owe me a dollar. It's true. So in 1492, you can go to the next slide when uh, we discovered old Chris out there floating around and lost in the Caribbean, and we took him in and we nursed him back to health and gave him some, you know, some fresh water and some bananas and Havana cigars, and we sent him on home. There were about, and statistics vary, but there were about 150 million Native people in what's now North America. 400 years later, there's about 230,000 of us left. So from 150 mil to 200,000, that's one of the greatest examples of cultural genocide or ethnic cleansing in the history of the world. And all that took place right here in the good old U.S. of A. And oftentimes with the blessing and the direction of the church. So Christianity has not really been good news (laughs) to us as native people because the way the gospel came to our people is you guys are pagans. You're involved in uh, witchcraft and you worship demons and your drums are of the devil and your dances are of the devil. So when you become a Christian, you need to you know, cut your hair, learn the guitar, <laughs> learn the piano, and along with that learn our language, learn our culture, etc. So we have historically been part of what we call a replacement-oriented theology where pastors and missionaries have come to our people and still come to our people today and say, we're Christian, you're not. Therefore, in order for you to become a Christian, all that you are must be replaced with what we are because we have the orthodox way. So here's how replacement-oriented theology works and looks like. So where's, where's where's our drummer at? Yeah. Is he in here? Roger? All right, Roger, Roger. Sorry. <laughs> that was from Star Wars. Um, I know you got it, because we were talking Star Wars. Yesterday. So, Roger, how old are you, man? 38. Pretend like you're 45, okay, for my story. Thanks. All right, you're 45. All right, cool. So, Roger. Roger is, uh, man, even at 38, right? Roger... Decides he's going to go and play some B ball uh, with the teens on Saturday night. Because Roger still thinks he's a young buck, right? So Roger gets out there on the basketball court and he's he's trying to do his stuff. He's trying to do his tricks and all that. And then he sees the hoop and it's wide open. And he says, (laughs) ha ha. You like that? And he goes for that layup. Oh, oh. And the kids are like, What's wrong, Roger? Nothing, man. I just got to go home for dinner. <laughs> he limps off, man. He's got to go to the hospital. He broke his ankle. Are you right footer? Thank you, Roger. You guys get a cask on his right foot, right? The problem is, he needs that right foot to play that bass drum, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He stresses about this all night long. How am I going to play the drums in worship tomorrow morning? So tomorrow morning comes. He comes. He wobbles in on his crutches. Roger hobbles up to the stage, and he's looking and scratching his beard. You got a beard, right? Is it? <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I was saying it. <laughs> Not as beautiful as Eric's, but... Aww. It's coming. And he says, you've got to get one of these. So Roger says, hmm. So he goes up. Are those Zildjian symbols? Whatever they are. And he goes up to those Zildjian symbols. And he says, hmm. And he takes that bass drum and he pulls them out from underneath the symbol. Zibyl. He says, hmm. And then he flips it on its side. He goes outside. He gets a stick. Rips off some of his shirt and he wraps it around the end of that stick. And he sits down at that drum. He says, maybe I can worship the Creator like this. He goes, hey, you three, four, you go get a stick too and rip your shirt off. And they all come and they begin to worship and sit around this drum and begin to worship the Creator this way. Now why are we told, as native people, that we can't have that native drum, that's not Christian, but if Roger flipped that bass drum back up on its side and pushed it back underneath the Zildjian cymbals,
0: <laughs> oh,
1: they're holy once more.
0: <laughs> what?
1: We are invited, uh, we have a, a team called Dancing Our Prayers, these are Teams of you, our youth, our teens, and we travel all over the country and we share Christ and culture at churches and conferences. And uh, I hope one day we can come here. Eh? And um, I don't know why I keep looking at just at John. I need to look at Amber too. I know. Please. John just told me it was a man's world the other day. That's why I just keep. <laughs> He did not say that. i just teasing him. We were invited down to the Seminole Nation down in uh, southern Florida. So we get on down there, and they said, oh, we, they want to come and drum and dance at some of the Seminole churches, right? So this one church welcomed us. It was really cool. Then we went to this um, camp that we were invited to. It was run by uh, non-native missionaries, non-Seminals. And um, when we began to get out of the car, and, they heard, and the, the, the missionary guy heard the jingled dresses of the women and saw the big the big powwow drum we had and oh he came running out no 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 we can't have that here this is a Christian place that's replacement oriented theology and that's what we've been inundated with so even the gospel brings shame because we can't be good enough I guess it's kind of like we've been told hey Creator loves you so much that he sent his son Yeshua to hang on a tree for you. But he doesn't like you a lot. You don't like your drums and your dances and your and that. You see when missionaries and churches and pastors treat us like that, it screams to us loud and clear they don't value us. They don't value our ceremonies, our family values, our languages, our dances, our songs, our, certainly not our theologies. So as I graduated from college, I, growing, I'm growing up to be a, this man, and I, I wanted to be fully native as I followed the Jesus way, but the church told me that I couldn't be fully native because our cultures are of the devil, you know, whereas Republicans and capitalists, you know, those guys are Christians, right? So but not that Indian powwow, sweat lodge, sage-burning stuff. That's like idolatry. And for 16 years of youth ministry, most of that time under non-Native leadership, who didn't have a clue what they were doing, but they were nice, they were good people, I had to abandon my sin-stained culture to embrace somebody else's sin-stained culture as if to say that one expression of humanity's worship to this invisible, infinite, and mysterious creator is better than another's. And for a lot of our history with the church, that's been our story. But I don't want it to be our story anymore. I love the church, and I love our people, and I love them too much to allow them to stay on this trajectory that they're on. So what we're going to do right now is um, we're going to function in what we call a decolonizing praxis. I I paid $40,000 to learn how to talk like that. (laughs) And it's not even that awesome. We're going to dance our prayers here. And we're going to stand against 400 years of colonial onslaught and assimilation. We're going, to, we're going to say together, you as the church will stand in solidarity with myself and my wife, if there's any other native people, indigenous people in this land in this room, you'll stand in solidarity with us as we stand against that stuff and say, we're still here and we're going to be who the creator made us to be because he doesn't make junk, right? Yeah. All right, so here's what's going to happen. We're going we're, we're to invite you up. Uh, we're gonna, actually, we're going to have you. It's a partner dance, and it's kind of like a follow the leader thing, right? So, this is my wife, Gina. She's going to pick her patna really fast. All right. So, I want you to kind of face sideways so they can see how you hold hands. See, watch how they cross their hands. You got to cross your hands. There you go. <laughs> see how they cross their hands? That's what you're going to do with your partner, all right? Now, they're at the front of the line. Unless you're leading, you do not want to be on the front of the line. So the line will start this way and kind of go wherever it goes. Now, a lot of times we have our youth leading all this stuff, right, when we bring our dance and our prayer, when they end up outside sometimes. It's crazy. We're staying in here this morning, okay? Now, you're going to, everyone that is in line behind me, you're going to follow what they do. So if they turn around, you're all going to turn around. If they go down and touch the ground... I'm a fat guy, I can't... (laughs) You're going to go down and touch the ground. If they do a cartwheel... Just playing. No cartwheels. Hold on, demonstrate. (laughs) If they do the worm, hey. (laughs) Um, All right, so, guys, husbands, if you have not asked your wife to dance in a long time, this is a great time to do it, okay? So, as you are able and as you want, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and partner up and start your line. and Then I'll explain how the rest of it goes. All right. Go ahead. Don't be shy. (laughs) This is the front of the line. So they're scooting over. So I still got it. Yeah, I still got a couple minutes after this. Okay. All right. It's good to see so many people getting up to try it. Just splat again. No, go ahead. We will just have to deal with it. So you can see the lines going this way. So go ahead and get yourself in a line going back out this way. Well, we need bigger space, huh? All right, we're going to start in 30 seconds. So I'm trying to run white man's (laughs) dives. All right. As the rest of you are lining up, if everybody could just listen, so I don't have to yell really loud, all right? So, um, we're down here. So as they go, they'll probably go all over the place, snaking around. You guys are probably going to get jumbled up, but that's part of the fun, all right? So um, we're going to start our drumming, and uh, we'll see where Gina ta- and Gina and Benny take you guys, All right? Are you ready? ready? By the way, people, this is not dancing. <laughs> <laughs> man, everything jiggles when I do that. Man. It's 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 you're just your feet and you're going like this. Hey, all right. Okay? So not hopping, you're not crow hopping. Dancing. Man, my drum is flat. It's the humidity. All right, here we go. Are you ready? ready. No way. Hey, hey, can you turn this off? <laughs> <laughs> Good job, everyone. Go ahead, grab a seat. You guys did great. I didn't see anybody hopping, so that was a good thing. It's a good thing. I feel so weird being up here. Get down with the people. That's what our elders say. Go down with the people. You're not that big of a deal. Get off the stage. So all this frustration kind of boiled over for me in 2005 down at Manal School in Albuquerque. How many have been to Albuquerque? Oh, a number of you. All right. So I was working with the PCUSA at the time, the Presbyterian Church USA. And we just got done hosting a week-long Native Youth Conference. Now, the only thing that made it a native youth conference was that there was native youth there. But it looked, sounded, smelt, felt like any other kind of Euro-American youth conference. Not that I'm foo-fooing that, but I'm saying that's not who we are. So maybe it should have been a little bit different. But for me, that was the proverbial icing on the cake. I was just so fed up. With not being able to be who Creator made us to be in the church. So, everybody else had gone home at the end of that week. I had one day left till my plane went out. So, I went into the only air conditioned building that I could find on that camp because it was kind of humid down there, too. And um, we're from a dry area, so we don't do well with this stuff. It was a little uh, library just a little thing, man. Not a whole, I mean, maybe one more of these stages, you know. And there were like four or five bookshelves, a couple computers, and a couch. I remember the couch because my body was really tired and I laid down on the couch. But my mind was was so restless. So I got up and I just began to pace back and forth in front of those bookshelves. And I think I was... I think I was cussing at God. I figured his shoulders were big enough to handle that. And I'm not one of those people that say, hey, God told me. (laughs) Because I think we throw that around a lot, too much (laughs) to justify things that we want to do. It's so funny when we have people that want to move to our reservation. Oh, God called me here. And I'm like, well, why didn't he tell us that? (laughs) But the Creator gave me a vision that day clearer than anything I'd ever had. I know it's from Him because I'm just not that cool to think it up. And it came in a prose. It said, my people were here long before the others cast their sails to the wind. Before the tears of innocence, like a heartbreak, would descend, and my people spread like eagles' wings across the mountains and the plains. Now our feathers have been broken, but the eagle still remains. Corey, that's what you're to be about, is mending the wings of your people so they can fly again. So I remember calling up my wife Gina and told her, I had this vision, She's like, oh, your head's in the clouds again, you know. But I came back to Yakima, and I went up to print guys. <laughs> I slapped down 25 bucks, and I got me a business card that made me president of Mending Wings. Whatever that meant, at the, I had no idea what that meant at that time. But from that point, uh, so I've been a youth pastor for 29 years total, but it was in 2005 I got that vision. So in 2006, we became our own nonprofit, and we grew to be one of the la- largest Native American youth ministries in the country. That's not to brag around about us, because we're taught not to do that. Uh, but that's to say that we get have gotten to speak into the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Native students, and we've seen some incredible change, powerful things that the Creator does through our humble acts, you know. Go to that next slide. Actually, go ahead and go back one. I'm sorry. These are just some of our youth. Gosh, I wish we got to get dancing our prayers out here, just so, because I love it when they're here. So it's not just me talking about it, but you can see it. It's tangible, and you can shake their hands and talk to them about it. I want to show you a, a video. So if you could go down to the video, but just don't start it yet. Um, I just want you to hear, I guess, some from some of the teens, some of the people. I think one of the folks on here is a young man who grew up through Mending Wings, and he's in leadership. And uh, it's down a couple slides, I think, is uh, yeah. Um, but if you just watch this just for a minute, it's kind of a short video. And,
2: I was about 13, and I, I remember one of my friends, he invited me and my sister to come to Mending Wings. I started smoking at that age. I started uh, um, trying to hang out and stay out late, and a couple times I ran away from home. It, it wasn't the fondest time of my life. I grew up in foster care. I wasn't exposed to my own culture as as a child. Having our culture is also a part of our identity, and I feel like that's important for our kids to, to have that part of their identity and, and to feel like it's uh, it's more than present, that it's not something that's just gone or something that, that used to be. It gives kids uh, an empowerment to be Native and to embrace their roots, to embrace their culture, and I guess immortalize it.
1: It's hard for someone to have a strong relationship with the Creator when you don't know who you are. I'm realizing that we're just a a whisper away from losing our language and our identity as Native people and specifically as Yakima people. If our kids don't learn the language, if they're not in the longhouse and they're not learning the songs and they're not learning these things, it's just a generation away from being gone. And then what does it mean to be Yakima? As we work with kids on the res, uh, there's a lot of uh, unique circumstances, from abuses to addictions to a loss of identity and, and, and self-value and self-worth.
0: My life and uh, high school, before Mending Wings, has been
2: a lot of ups and a lot of downs, mainly a lot of downs. You kind of lose track of yourself pretty fast that way, especially at a young age. But with Mending Wings there, it kind of gave me an alternate route to go. gave me a different outlet to go pursue.
1: Under the umbrella of Mending Wings are several different programs that we have that range from cultural revitalization, retention, to counseling for those dealing with abuses and addictions. We've grown to be one of the largest Native youth ministries in the country. We've had the opportunity to speak into the lives of hundreds and hundreds of Native students.
2: I spend a lot of time with the students that come to many Wings. The stories they tell me, the questions they ask me, it gets really personal at times. Growing up, my mom was like really bad into drugs and um, it's not really a part of my life I like to share. But when I came here, I just felt like um,
0: I could really um, tell people about my problems and they're really understanding.
2: What I've been through in my life, and I know what they are going through, for me to help push them more and see them succeed and them smile, it makes my heart smile. These people are just there for you, and they, like, really care about you and your well-being. So, yeah. Yeah. As I got older, and as, as I as I went to Mending Wings and went to youth group and attended it more, the message that I got is that uh, as I get older, I'm gonna be I'm gonna have a lot more responsibility, and not only that, there are gonna be other kids that also are gonna look look to that and see how I handle that responsibility, or, or that look to others to handle responsibility. I actually got to talk to some of the leaders about what I was going through, and they were gave me great advice. They were understanding. It brought me to where I am here today in this position of leadership, a place I never would have thought I would have found myself all those years back.
1: Many Wings exists to empower our native youth as followers of the Jesus way, as being fully native. We believe that we're closest to the Creator when we're true to our cultures because that's how He made us and that He doesn't make junk. Creator, bless these lives. So, in your, I'm almost done. So, <laughs> I just feel like your eyes are burning into this. In your, I don't know if it's in your bulletin or if it was handed to you. Uh, is a form that looks like this. You can go to the next. The sentence, senten. <clears throat> Contrary to what a lot of people think, um, in the, <laughs> most of us as native people were not rich because of casinos. <laughs> now, there are some tribes that are doing really well. It's usually the smaller ones, right? Um, we're a good size. I don't know, it's about close to 12,000 enrolled members, uh, not counting descendants. So we're kind of a bigger tribe, but we're, we're not one of those that are doing really well and wealthy and all that. So as you can tell by, you couldn't tell by, well, never mind, I'm not even going to go there. So we rely on the generosity of other believers to do the things that we do for our youth in mending wings. We just don't got a lot of resources. We have missionaries on our res who got who got I went to, I was a college graduate who went to, who who has who have big resources lots of money and just doing great financially but the impact among our people is like this. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't even want them there. And Then you got something like Many Wings that's homegrown and we're not somebody that came from somewhere, you know what I mean? And it's native-owned and operated, and we huge impact in our community and with our youth, but our resources are like this. And so there's this, this kind of injustice in what's going on. And I don't know if it's that. I don't know what it is. But we rely on the generosity of other believers to do what we do. And so this is an ask. This is an ask to ask you consider becoming into partnership with us through what we call the Send 10 Challenge. It's really simple. $10 a month helps to send a student to a Mending Wings program for that month. 20 helps to send 2 30 helps to send 3 $84 is, a, is what we call a major donor's, and there's like certain perks that come with that. Um, but as we wrap up, I'm going to call pastors and Eric up in just a minute. I would like to ask that you would prayerfully consider this. The Send 10 Challenge, When you, if you look on the form, it's, um, it's an automatic withdrawal every month through a program that we have called Pay Simple. I used to always say, oh, it's just as secure as your bank, but I found out a lot of people didn't feel very comfortable with that because <laughs> they didn't trust their banks. But it's a super secure system. We've been using it for years and have never had any issues. But what it does, is it's an automatic withdrawal, because I know sometimes people will say, well, you know, I'll just send a check every month. Um, And life happens, you know, and you just kind of forget. This is simple, it just helps, it just comes out automatically, and you don't forget about it. Others say, well, I'll just write you a one-time check, and we don't turn that away, we're grateful for anything, anybody helps, but... The only thing I don't like about that is that we don't get to stay in a relationship with you. So we've gone to churches where you know, big churches, or what they call those mega churches or whatever, and you know, you walk away with five, six, seven thousand dollars. But then there's no relationship after that, and I don't like that. You know, I want to be in a relationship. And one of the things that we do when someone accepts the Send Ten challenge, we give a gift. This is a dream catcher, but we make it in the shape of a fish and we put a cross in the center because we want Yeshua to be the center of all of our dreams and our goals and our aspirations. We make it in the shape of a fish because not only were a lot of his disciples fishermen, but that's our people are fishermen. So when he talks about follow me, I make you fisher, you know, that makes sense to us. Wow, that clicks with us. So we get that fresh salmon off the Columbia, and so you'll get, you'll get a gift like this that's made by the students and the staff of Mending Weeks. And then we send you a, a picture of some of the students, obviously not all of them, but some of the students that you can put on your fridge and you know, just kind of every time you see them, you remember to pray for them. We send a, a, every month or two months, we send an e-newsletter out, lots of pictures. So if you're like me and just want to see a little bit of words and lots of pictures, that's what it is. Um, and then uh, once every, depending on how far away you are, if you're closer, once a year we come back and have a luncheon with all of our donors. Uh, if you're a little bit farther away, like this, it's usually every two to three years we come back, and um, we just try to stay in really good relationship with people because we don't want we don't want sugar daddies. You know what I mean? <laughs> like uh, we want relationship. And so just uh, at this time, I want to ask. Um Emma and John will come up and Eric will come up, ask that while we do this piece right here that you would prayerfully consider doing this. And what you would do is you would fill it out and then you would put it into the offering plate. And then it will be given to myself and Gina later and we'll go home and our bookkeeper inputs it and calls and we send an email and all that. And if you're passionate about that Revelation 7-9 thing, that one to every tribe, Tongue and people will stand before the Creator. We want the accommodation there, and we ask that you help us to make sure that happens. So, I was bad, and I only brought one. This is one of our young men got a, got an elk, and uh, so I went and got a bunch of elk jerky made. Uh, smoked is it. It really good, man. Matter of fact, hey, anyway, I'm just um, but this is a gift for all three of you, so you're going to have to wrestle each other for Ready? Go. Hey. <laughs> um, so I thank you for letting us dark the doors of your building here. And appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we're going to close with an honor song for our part. Um, just to... Uh, excellent. Uh, just to uh, close our time with you, we we'll are asked that you stand as you're able. Can I play your drum? Not so flat. So, I put an explanation up there. It's an honor song for the people, and then translated into the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me into English. It says, "Unite us." Teach us to respect each other in a good way. As Creator placed us upon this earth and has given us our ancestral lineage, let us help one another. Would you guys come back up there? (laughs) So this is a song uh, that we sing in honor of you, but really in honor of each and every one of you here for letting us come to your place this morning and listening to a couple of you. All right. So we don't have a word in our language for a thank you. Uh, the closest we have is we would say we are happy. So we are happy. wa Greater bless these lives. Thank you.
0: Okay, um, awesome. Well, let's say a blessing on Corey and Gina, shall we? Um, If you want to extend your hand forward, lay hands on um, them, could you guys come forward just here a little bit? And it is an absolute honor to have you guys in our community. Thank you for teaching us today with your lives and your words. But let's send them with the blessing, and then we'll gather the offering as we close. Father God, our creator, thank you for blessing us this day with life and with these words from our brother and sister from the Yakima Nation. Thank you that you truly do not make junk and that you sent us the beauty of these people to remind us of how much you love us and how much you love those who were first here in this land. Lord, we send you, we send them, Corey and Gina, with a blessing. Would you... Provide for them. Would you continue to empower them to share the hope and the value of the creator with the people of the Yakima Nation and the people of this nation? God, I pray that you would um, give them what they need, protect them as they travel, protect their marriage and give them unity and laughter and joy. Continue to give them visions and ideas of what you have for them and for the people. Continue to give us the ability to listen and to follow their lead as they show us what it means to follow you, Jesus, on your way. But we send them with a blessing and thank you for bringing them to us. Until our paths cross again, creator, we give them to you. And thank you for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.